Hi everybody, this is Julia with Undressing the Issue. I hope your holiday season is going well. Uh, mine is going okay, in case anybody wanted to know. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit today about something that comes up quite frequently. And basically, I need to preface this. So I work a lot with individuals and couples who are in situations where there's infidelity, there's breach of trust, there's certain behaviors that have uh, occurred that have caused one of the people in the relationship to be um, on edge, suspicious, scared, worried, uh, not trusting. And when this happens, uh, the person who's been betrayed tends to then question every single thing they see occurring in their relationship as, you know, basically from a lens of, is it happening again? So I wanted to talk today a little bit about the difference between safety-seeking behavior after there's been a betrayal versus what we call pain-shopping behavior. So safety-seeking, let me define what this is. So after there's been a betrayal, what happens for a lot of betrayed partners is they become vigilant, hypervigilant even. They're worried about everything and anything. Anytime the person that betrayed them is out of their sight, they are scared and worried that that person is doing something that is similar to what they did in their betrayal. And whether that's due to addiction or not is irrelevant because it's based on the trauma of being betrayed less than the motivation for the betrayal behavior. So with safety seeking, what I refer to is when the betrayed party needs to know where the other person is at, who they're with, what they're doing. Uh, they may want to be able to look through their phone and see who they're communicating with. They may want to restrict access to certain applications like dating, apps, Tinder, that kind of thing, or WhatsApp, Snapchat, those kinds of things where they can communicate and message with uh, other people outside the relationship who they could betray their partner with again. So a lot of times after the betrayal has occurred, it feels like this is snooping when they try to go into a person's phone or look at their browser history on their computer. Um, I've heard it called snooper vision by the party who did the betraying. But the reality is all of this behavior is safety seeking. And what I mean by that is the person who's looking is looking to see that there's nothing else going on, meaning their safety is not being compromised at this time, which is why we call it safety seeking. And 
as much as my stance on this is somewhat controversial, after there's been a betrayal, I actually don't uh, discourage the betrayed party from engaging in these behaviors. I explain to them what safety seeking is, and I'll explore with them, you know, what is it that makes you feel compelled to look and to search and to question? And the answer is pretty clear. Well, my trust has been broken. So even though the person who broke my trust is telling me that it's done and it's over and they won't do it again and they're not doing it anymore, because I don't trust them right now, I have a hard time believing them. So I want to see for myself. And because it can be difficult to not know the answer, for it to remain a question and for it to be kind of scary, I don't discourage it. Now, some betrayed partners take it to the point where they do it obsessively. Like they're always always trying to look, trying to go back and investigate. And really, it's tough on them, first off, because they're in this state of mind where there's there's no truth. There's no there's no way to differentiate between what they're being told and what they're feeling. So you also have to consider that feeling, that intuition, when they had it, which most of them, so not everybody has that intuitive feeling of something's off, I feel like something's going on, I think this person is doing something. Not everybody has that intuition, but a lot of betrayed partners do. A lot of them can sense that something's going on, something's off, my partner's been acting strange lately, They seem a little distant. They're spending a lot of time working late. Um, You know, I'm a little uncomfortable with a relationship that my partner has maybe with a colleague or a friend. Um, It just feels uncomfortable. And that's legit. And when they then find out that their intuition was correct, and many times before they realize that it was correct, the partner who's doing the betrayal is lying to them, is telling them, you know, you're just jealous, you're just suspicious, nothing's going on, there may be some gaslighting happening. And so they're basically repeatedly being asked to second guess their intuition, to question it, to not necessarily believe it. So when they're told that repeatedly, And for many people, like myself, uh, myself included, when my ex-husband was gaslighting me, there were plenty of moments where I really considered it. Like, am I the crazy one? Is this a me issue? Am I the one who's like overly suspicious and jealous? Is this just me being insecure? And a lot of other people feel the same way where they actually allow that in. But when they see that confirmation of their suspicions... From then on, any time they have an intuition about something or any time they feel something similar to what that intuition felt like, they feel compelled to confirm it because it's already been confirmed once. And when it wasn't confirmed, it's kind of torturous. 
it's kind of torturous to feel like something's going on, but you have no proof of it. There's no evidence. I haven't found anything, but I just feel in my gut that something's off. That can be crazy making. Oh, I remember those days. That was rough. So part of what I work with betrayed partners on is learning to reconnect with their intuition and to go with it. And even if it may be on high alert and it may be hypersensitive, that doesn't mean it's wrong. And it also doesn't mean that they need to learn to completely dismiss it because that's not good either. So basically with safety seeking behavior, I tell partners, okay, go ahead, check, check the phone, check his computer, check his tablet, um, but be prepared to find. And for some people, they're not prepared because it's painful. And sometimes they just want their partners to know that they have the question, but they're not necessarily ready to hear the answer. So that's okay too. Now, what usually happens for partners when they're safety seeking is that eventually when they spend so much energy and they do it so much and it becomes obsessive, it becomes tiresome. They get to the point where they're like, oh, I, I can't be in charge of this person. If this person says they want to, you know, stop this behavior and do right by me, then they have to do it for themselves and not because they know I'm checking. And, you know, if it's do it, if it's being done just because they know I'm looking, then that's not the type of motivation I want behind this change and this effort to rebuild trust. I want it to come from a place of being of their own volition and them taking the initiative to do this on their own for themselves and for me um, indirectly. So that is what I call safety seeking behavior. Now, I also mentioned something called pain shopping. Now, a lot of betrayed partners start engaging in safety seeking and thinking that what they're looking for is still a confirmation of safety and that they want to be reassured that nothing else is going on, that everything is okay. And for some partners, this also involves going back and looking at stuff that they've already looked at. So messages they may have already found, emails they may have already seen, they go back and look it over again. Now, this is called pain shopping. So pain shopping is basically looking for a reminder of the hurt that's been caused. And the difference between pain shopping and safety seeking is that it's not looking for reassurance that currently there's no more activity or betrayal. It's looking back on betrayals that we already know about and looking back on stuff that has happened in the past that's not continuing to go on. And with pain shopping, this can be extended as well into looking for, for example, um, pictures of acting out partners and what I often tell partners, betrayed partners, is that when you look for pictures, 
The problem with that is that you're going to see physical attributes on these people and you're going to start comparing yourself to them. And that is kind of dangerous territory because this is where partners can get even more traumatized. They start looking at photos of other people who they know the betraying party um, found enticing or attractive and they start finding differences or, you know, comparing, am I as attractive? Are they more attractive than me? Are they less attractive? Because that's also painful. When you've got me at home and I'm so attractive, why do you need to go out seeking somebody else who's less attractive? And we start getting into body comparisons. They have bigger breasts than me. They have smaller breasts than me. They have a different shaped butt than me. They're taller. They're blonde. I'm brunette. I'm blonde, they're brunette, they're a different race or have a different skin tone than me, they're tall, I'm short, whatever the case may be. And it leads to feelings of inadequacy. If you're attracted to that, then why are you with me? Do you still find me attractive? This is a common, common thing for betrayed partners where they get into this. And what also happens is that once they see these physical attributes, when they're out in the world, especially with the betraying partner, they start being super sensitive to seeing other people around who have similar features to the people that their partner acted out with or was attracted to. And now the whole world is triggering because inevitably we're going to run into people who look all different ways and we're going to see people who look similar and it's going to be a trigger every single time. Now, pain shopping also involves asking certain questions after there is discovery of the betrayal. So for example, after somebody finds out that there's been some type of betrayal, they often want to know everything. I want to know when what did you tell me you were doing? How did you lie to me? How much money did you spend? Where did this happen? Was it ever in our house? Did you ever do anything with these people that you and I never did? Um, did you ever see me and them in the same day? Did you ever do this around our kids? You know, it's, it's a slew of questions. And you got to remember, these questions are safety seeking in that they want to know, the betrayed partner wants to know if they or their family or their home even has been exposed to any potential risks. Let's say their partner solicited a prostitute and brought the prostitute back to their home. And in their home, they have pictures of their kids. They have personal belongings. And now this person knows where they live. Maybe they know where they work. And they could easily try to go back and blackmail or do whatever else. So this happens, by the way. I mean, it doesn't it may sound outlandish to some people, but this really does happen. Um, so it's this exposure to a stranger being in my space. It's terrifying. So, of course, they want to know. Um, but when they start asking questions like... So what did she look like? 
What was her body like? Is there a famous person that you ever fantasized about? Do you still compare my body to theirs? So the still compare or do you ever compare or any of those kinds of questions, really the problem is there is no right answer for the person on the receiving end of the question. If they say, no, I don't compare. I think you're so attractive. Well, if the trust has been broken, is the betrayed party going to believe them when they say that? Mm, Probably not. How can I believe you? You've already lied to me. And if they say, yes, I do compare, and yes, I find other bodies more attractive, well, then again, wrong answer, because that's hurtful in itself. So there is no right answer. So regardless, whatever response you get to this question, it's going to be triggering. So you've got to consider what is the purpose of your question? Is it that you want to let your partner know that you know, this experience and this betrayal has brought up insecurities for you and you have a hard time shaking them? Well, then say that. But when you start asking questions like that, you're looking for trouble. (laughs) You're going to get hurt. Either you're going to feel like you're being lied to again, which is going to be a trigger, or you're going to get the truth and that's going to be a trigger. So either way, this is a shit situation. So there's that. The other piece is when I hear partners saying, well, here's this famous person, celebrity, and they seem to be along the lines of, you know, the the type, quote unquote, that you were interested in during, you know, your betraying days and your sexual acting out. Did you ever fantasize about them? Well, if the person says no, again, trust has been broken. You're not going to believe them. If they say yes, guess what happens to those partners? They start going through tons and tons of photos of these people and examining them closely and comparing themselves to these people and walking away with even more insecurity, trigger, all of that sort of stuff. This is pain shopping. No matter what you come out with, you're going to be hurt. And looking at stuff from the past that you already know about, also, it doesn't help you to establish a sense of safety in the present. It just ends up hurting you all over again like it did the first time you saw it. This is why we call this pain shopping. So... The other thing I wanted to touch on with regard to this is basically what can the betraying party do when their partners are pain shopping or are safety seeking? How do they handle this without triggering the betrayed partner even more? So with regard to safety seeking, you've probably heard me say before that the four pillars of rebuilding trust are consistent, voluntary, transparency over an extended period of time. So the best thing you could do for the safety seeking and to help the betrayed partner reestablish a sense of safety is give them voluntarily the transparency that they're needing. Let them look at your phone. If you're not doing anything wrong, then you shouldn't have anything to hide. 
it should be a non-issue. Let them see your phone. Let them know your location. Give them information regarding where you're going, what you're doing. Give them the transparency. If you are evasive, if you're secretive, if you seem to be dodging these requests, then you look like you're hiding something. And guess what? That's going to raise suspicions. So be transparent. With regard to the safety seeking, it's okay to give them access. With regard to the pain shopping, however, this is where it gets tricky for the betraying partner. The problem is if you tell the betrayed partner as the person who betrayed them, you're pain shopping. It doesn't serve you to ask these questions or look at these things. They're going to look at you and go, uh, excuse me, you can't tell me what to do. You messed up. You broke trust. Now, I need to know what's going on and I have every right to ask these questions. They're not going to listen. They can't hear it from you. If you say I'm not answering that, it's the worst thing you could do. It goes against the transparency thing. However, if you tune in and kind of read between the lines. So for example, if a partner says, well, I saw this model and she looks like the type of person that you would have been attracted to when you were, you know, sexually acting out. And I'm wondering if you ever fantasized about her or you ever looked at her and it doesn't even have to be a model. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody in real life. As the betraying partner, if you know, you know that if you say, yes, I did. Now your partner is going to be super triggered. If you say, no, I didn't, they're going to go, well, I don't believe you. So what can you do? Well, you read between the lines. What they're communicating to you in this question is that they have insecurity regarding this person for whatever reason, whether it's because they have a different body type or they feel like this person's more attractive than they are, whatever it is, they're expressing insecurity and you can address that. And you can address it by acknowledging, you know, I realize that my behavior and the betrayal that I caused has brought up a ton of insecurity for you. And that is my fault. I did that and I own that. But I also want you to understand that I don't want you to be any more insecure and that none of this had anything to do with you. Most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, any type of infidelity or betrayal or sexual acting out has nothing to do with the betraying party's primary partner. It has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with them not being enough, being too much, whatever the case may be. It has to do with that person who's committing this act, their own issues, their own stuff, their need for external validation, their need for a sense of conquest, their need to feel desired, whatever it may be, most of the time has nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing to do with their primary partner, with how their primary partner looks, with any of that. Everybody has their own insecurities. But for the primary partner who's being betrayed, it's so hard to actually accept that it had nothing to do with them. They 
have a tendency to blame themselves, to believe that there's something they did or didn't do that caused this, that they were a bad spouse, when in reality has nothing to do with that. And if they blame themselves, then they're going to try to change themselves in order to fix the situation or rebuild trust. And at the end of the day, what they find is it doesn't really help. What they need is to see a shift in the person who committed the betrayal. They can shift and squirm all they want, but until they see the difference in the other person, it's not going to feel any safer or better. So I bring this up because this is a common thing, and especially during the holidays or any other time when you are kind of forced into being more social than usual or being out in public and around other people more than usual, these things tend to come up. These triggers, comparisons, this pain shopping stuff, the reminders of the betrayal, the reminder that, you know, I have to put on a happy face and have, you know, be merry and festive when underneath that I'm hurting and I'm still trying to recover and we're still trying to rebuild trust. And every time I turn around, there's somebody else who reminds me of the person that my partner acted out with. And it really puts a a damper on my holiday season. That's valid, that's legit. So what I urge partners to do is to differentiate when they're looking for things. What I'm looking for right now, is it gonna help me to feel safe and to confirm that my partner is not doing anything else right now? anything further, anything additional, or am I going back and looking at things that they did in the past and continuing to go over that and review that? That's the distinction. If you're going into the past, you're pain shopping, not healthy. It's not conducive to your healing. And it's really not going to help the whole relationship move forward and rebuild and recover and repair. So cut it out. Don't do it. It's tempting. I get it. But you're literally re-traumatizing yourself. So be careful. Be mindful. Safety seeking, I understand. I want you to feel safe. I understand the need for transparency and to confirm that there's nothing further going on. But when it comes to pain shopping, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's not going to be reassuring. It's not going to be healing. So really be mindful of that because I don't want you to torture yourself. And in reality, that's what you're doing. So stop, please stop. So I hope this is helpful. I hope for those of you out there who have been betrayed, first off, I am so sorry that you've had to experience that. But if you're in the process of healing from that, I hope that you find this helpful and that you can continue to feel safe and do whatever you need to do to feel safe and that you can reduce the pain shopping because it actually impedes your healing. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate your attention and As always, if you have feedback, comments, questions, 
feel free to reach out to me on all the different social media outlets, email, whatever else, wherever you can find me. I'm happy to hear your comments. If there's anything else you'd like me to touch on, I would also happily take your suggestions. And I hope everybody has a safe, healthy, happy holiday season. And I will talk to you again soon. Take care.